and that was my last plan because I was like literally out of money. Yeah. Um, and my plan was to get at least like 10 people or like 20 people participating. Like a ticket was like 250 euros or something, um, which is not even that expensive compared to other workshops that we have. So. Uh, and I spent like two months putting it together and I had a like very good workshop um, and not a single person showed up. <laughs> so. <laughs>
shittiest games out there because you know if you would want to lose weight uh, then not a single person or not a single thing in the world um, gives you feedback of how well you are progressing so if, you, if you're not measuring yourself if you're not giving yourself feedback of how well you are doing then mm. chances are very high that you do not succeed in your goals so game design idea is constantly giving you feedback of how well you're doing or what's the result of what you just did so you will be more kind of engaged towards your goal, um, mm. very simply put. Okay, that makes sense. So it's basically, uh, okay, a, a, way to measure, um, a way to measure your progress and make you feel good about actually progressing. Yep, yep, simply okay. put like this. So I, I do want to hear about um, your experiences with gamification and kind of what you've done. Um, for different clients. But before we do that, I, I, I kind of want to hear about the path that got you to gamification in the first place. And I think that starts early in your career, but actually before gamification, when you were working at Nortel. Is that right? That is correct. That was my first real, like, actual job uh, as an IT analyst. Um, I studied programming, but but I was told by my my first employer that I will never become a programmer based on my my test assignment, which is actually correct. So so yeah, I was I was um, I was the guy who was kind of analyzing how to build those systems and you know uh, what are the requirements and so on, uh, and that took me a good three years, I believe. And while you were there, you did some interesting things abroad, correct? Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's a lovely company. I, I love the company to work with, uh, Nortel. Um, and they did give me opportunities to... Uh, I worked in Nigeria for Nortel and World Bank uh, Common Project um, that was a software to kind of manage Nigeria and uh, the entire budget uh, planning system of Nigeria. Wow. Um, so so I, I was actually living in Nigeria for the... Uh, for like four months or, or so, kind of teaching mm. the local ministers of how to use the system and so on. Or actually, I turns out I actually just taught them how to use a mouse and a keyboard. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So that job kind of led into your first exposure to gamification, right? That is actually not correct. Um, it kind of is. Uh, so when I came back from Nigeria, then, then I was really kind of, I needed something new, I needed something next right. something fresh right um so so that's when i started looking how can i kind of combine what i want to like what i like to do in life uh which is inherently like gameplays and and such um and how can i kind of combine them with something bigger um so i started looking and then i found this program called baltic american freedom foundation mm. um which which then from one thing to another led me to learn about this company called Dopamine, uh, which operates in New York, who actually does gamification, is a gamification design agency. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was the first time that I actually realized that, holy hell, uh, there is actually something that could combine my hobbies um, with actual work. So so I was I was very interested. And so, I mean, you, you learned about what gamification was, but how did you go about actually getting involved? Yeah, so there was actually one more Estonian that used to work in that company um, who gave me an introduction to um, this guy called Gabe Sickerman, who's in gamification world, is kind of a, uh, this kind of an evangelist or, or one of the first who actually made this huge TED talk on, on gamification and so on. And that person was actually the 
founder and running the uh, dopamine, uh, the company. So I got into contact with him saying like, listen, I have this opportunity to come to uh, and work for you for free um, because the organization, you know, the Baltic American Freedom Foundation paid me my scholarship. So the company I ended up working with uh, didn't have to pay me anything. So I just wrote to them saying like, it will be awesome if I could just come and work for you for a year, um, see what you're up to, uh, and you didn't have to pay me anything. So um, that kind of led me there. So that was a good argument. <laughs> that was a pretty good argument. Yeah. <laughs> It's like a, s a small side note. I actually had another opportunity as well. Oh, really? um, I had I had two companies uh, that were willing to work uh, with me, and one of them was actually like, you know, top 100 places to work in Manhattan for I don't know several years, uh, and they were specifically like a New York original company were specifically looking for an Estonian young entrepreneurish uh, person with IT knowledge. Um, and they were very excited. Uh, and actually, the, uh, the, the founder of that company was um, the son of the president of the Baltic American Freedom Foundation, like a hugely connected guy. Um, and I turned that one down uh, because it didn't have gamification. <laughs> um, and I stayed really true to the idea that, I, that I, I, I'm doing this because I want to combine my hobbies mm. and the career. So the, eventually, the job that I did took um, in dopamine was uh like in comparison it's like three people in a small wooden apartment um not very fancy place uh and the one that i turned down was like this penthouse uh <laughs> penthouse office uh with like huge benefits and so on <laughs> wow so can you give us a quick uh, overview of this ba Baltic American Freedom Foundation? Because it sounds like that was instrumental in, in helping you out to get your Absolutely. first experiences. I'm very happy to kind of give them a shout out. Um, so the Baltic American Freedom Foundation basically is a organization that takes people from the Baltics plus uh, Hungary, I believe. Um, and, you know, select some of the more, you know, ambitious and, and talented people um, to kind of organize their life in, in the States uh, with the condition that they do have to come back for two years uh, to work in their home country. Because like their entire idea is that they will take young talent, uh, send them to the US, get experience, come back to apply that experience in, um, in their own you know, home country. So how did you get connected with these guys in the first place? Uh, you mean the Baltic the freedom. American Freedom? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, they have applications uh, twice a year, ah, uh, at least okay. pre-COVID. Um, and it's pretty competitive. I mean, they have like, um, I may be wrong here, but I think it was like, you know, 700 applicants or something. Um, and everyone has to have like a master's degree or like working on it. And and then they had four rounds of, of interviews and applications. And then eventually there were like 15, I believe. I don't remember exactly. So what do you think separated you from everyone else that they decided this is our guy? Uh, that is a good question. Um, <laughs> it's a very difficult yeah, question to ask uh, an Estonian it's, it's because Estonians are yeah. so humble. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, uh, uh, me personally, I'm way more humble than an average Estonian, I believe. Um, okay. But 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 I will say that it really doesn't matter if you're applying to a job, you're trying to get a new client, or you're applying for a scholarship or whatever. The only thing that matters is, are you a decent human person? Are you a normal person to have a good conversation with? Like, can you mm. carry on a conversation? Is the person who is evaluating you enjoying the time that he's talking to you? Um, and I believe that I can kind of make an interesting 
conversation, I guess, and not be nervous uh, around, you know, new connections or, or okay. famous people or whatever. And that kind of allowed me to, you know, be free. And I guess they liked it. Okay. So let's jump back to um, to your 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 uh, first exposure to gamification. How was it working with that company uh, in New York? Well, I'm 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 gonna spill. Uh, I'm not gonna spill the details um, okay. because, like, to be honest, I have burned. I have burned one bridge in my life, and that was that. <laughs> oh, really? Um, yeah. Um, but uh, that's a little bit jumping forward. The idea was there were, in total, three people, including me, in that mm. office. Uh, there was a designer, uh, like a visual designer. There was the, um, you know, the manager or managing director. And then there was me. So it was a very small company. But because the founder and the CEO was this famous guy, then we had major clients. Mm -hmm. uh, I personally had, you know, I was working with Verizon and Volkswagen and Caesars Casino and Twitch and Keurig and all those Fortune 500 companies. Um, and it was amazing because I get like the first-hand experience uh, with how it is to negotiate with those companies. Uh, and also, I would actually be that person who would go down to Verizon office and present my ideas of what you should do in your next loyalty program. And I have the whole room listening to my ideas. Mm. Uh, this is not something that a random intern who has never done anything professionally usually gets to do. Um, so, so for me, it was like this huge kind of a opportunity. Um, so it sounds like you traded the penthouse for more responsibility, huh? Yep, yep. And that uh, heightened or increased responsibility was eventually the thing that kind of uh, was like the downfall of, of the relationship there um, because you know I, th I, I, I would imagine that the managing director at, at, the, at Dopamine kind of felt like I took too much um, of responsibility and I on the other hand felt like uh, he didn't really live up to the you know, I, I guess my work culture is just a little bit more precise and demanding than his was. Uh, I don't know. Um, so we, we eventually didn't get along very well because there was a lot of things that I took over and he didn't like that. Okay. <laughs> so your ambition kind of created some some clashes. Well, yeah, let's put it this way. I, I love a quote from my sister, actually, who uh, once said that she is never willing to sign her name under something that is he, uh, she is not perfectly um, comfortable with. Uh, in a sense, like, uh, she's not satisfied with the quality. And mm. I have the same thing. I will never say that I did this if I am not satisfied with the quality. Um, and there was a lot of times when it was proposed to send out something with a very bad quality. And mm. then I took it over and I redid it until I was satisfied, um, which was, yeah, I guess it's just different work cultures um, and mm. different personalities, I guess. Okay. But you, you cut your teeth on gamification and you did your six-month stint. And what did you actually, do then? Go ahead. Um, yeah, it was actually a year, a little bit more Oh, it was a year. A year. Oh, yeah. wow. Um, so a long internship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when I came back, then I actually, you know, I knew that I would want to continue with it. Um, so I created my own consultancy, I guess. Um, so what I started... There was not enough, I mean, 
was it just clearly lacking, you know, in, in the work environment that you couldn't find an opportunity to do gamification for a company or did you just want to go out on your own? So first of all, no one really knew what that was. Um, like now people know more about gamification, but at that time, uh, it was very kind of people didn't know how to relate. Um, so companies didn't like, there was no position at a company Mm -hmm. like a gamification analyst or whatever. Uh, not a single company had this thing. Um, and I also knew I was 100% sure, uh, although I love Nortel as a company and I think they're doing amazing things, um, I did make an agreement with myself that I will never work at a place where I have to log my hours. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, in IT world, it's very, very common. You have to do it because you, you know, you have to build the clients based on the hours. Um, so in combination of me not wanting to log my hours and not having a company where I could actually work with gamification, then the only reasonable outcome was, I guess I, you know, I have to do my own thing then. So, yeah. So what did that look the, like? It was, it was, um, well, so what I started I mean, where, doing where was, did you, where did you start? You know, you're, you're, yeah, you got a years of experience in gamification. You come back to a place that really hasn't have any gamification companies out there. Uh, you know, what do you do? So it's actually like, uh, I think it's a literally step-by-step process that everyone can follow and it always, it like, it's literally so simple. So what you do, if you're a professional at something, um, then you write to every single co-working space that you find um, and say that, hey, um, I could be, uh, I'd be happy to come and give a presentation, like an hour-long presentation on the topic that, I, you know, uh, might interest you. Um, if you can give me the rooms and the audience, and that's all I need. So that's what I did. I, I did like, I don't remember, like five or six talks. And, you know, I actually like public speaking and this kind of presenting. Uh, so it, I felt comfortable doing it. Um, because in every room, if you have like 100 people in the audience, there's like a 5% chance that, that someone in the audience um, would want to get your services, right? Uh, and in 100 people's audience, you get five clients. And that's what you do. Um, but for me, it was actually like, it was, it was lucky uh, because my first ever, my first ever client, and I shit you not, uh, was uh, Carrefour, um, which is like this eighty billion dollar company, and <laughs> grocery store. Yeah, yeah, the grocery store, um, France, I guess. Um, and that was my first ever client, uh, which was this amazing paycheck uh, and amazing, actually, pretty boring job. Um, but that kind of gave me a little bit credibility as well. Um, and that was the only large client that I actually got. The rest were like peanuts. Um, so what kind of, uh, I mean, what, what is your, you said it was a boring project, but what, what were you doing for these guys, for these different companies? So, so very common use case in gamification is loyalty programs. Um, and I was basically tasked to, uh, create an overview of their loyalty program. Uh, and then uh, fine-tune it. So because they had like six different loyalty programs, and they wanted to combine them all into one. So my job was to kind of interview all of those people, all of those people responsible for different loyalty programs, and figure out the way how can we combine all of those programs into one large program. Um, which sounds better than it actually is, because what I actually did is I had a bunch of interviews with people who didn't want to be interviewed because they don't, you know, they had other stuff to do. 
once I did all of those interviews, I actually flew down there um, and I was supposed to participate in this whole day long workshop where I will present my results. You mean to it, France? Um, it, it wasn't France, it was, uh, what was the company? Um, well, it was the country. Belgium? No, 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 no. It's like a small European country. How can I forget it? Uh, it's not Bulgaria. I don't remember. Uh, I'll Croatia? say if I remember. Uh, no, 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 no. Curry uh, uh, Romania, Romania. It Romania. was Romania. Yeah. So I flew down there and turned out it was just an, a full day workshop um, where I was supposed to get one hour uh, instead of the, it, it wasn't my workshop. I was just uh, allocated a one hour slot. But because they went overtime, so the organizer told me, hey, can you wrap it up in like 15 minutes? <laughs> so I basically did like two months of interviews, flew down there got like 15 minutes of speaking of my results and the rest of the whole workshop was in Romanian. So I couldn't understand anything. Wow. Um, so, so it was like disappointingly pointless because no one did anything with my work, mm. I think. Uh, but they were satisfied. I don't know. Why, why was everything in Romania? Um, I don't know. Um, I guess it was just Romanian branch who kind of started this project or I don't know. I don't know how $80 billion companies org <laughs> work, to be honest. <laughs> so, you know, what's been your progression since, you know, Carrefour and, and some of these smaller clients? How's that? Yeah, so I was like super hyped, you know. I thought like I, I nailed this amazing client and you the money it, was right. You did it, you're in. Now, now yeah, big like clients, I'm, right? I'm, yeah, exactly. Like now it's going to only get better. And like this two-month project was basically more than enough of like one and a half years of paychecks. Um so it's like, if that is so easy, like, why didn't they do it anymore? And then, um, and then I discovered one important thing uh, about myself, which is that I suck at sales. I believe that. Like, I mean, it's not that I suck at, at, at like selling if I already am in a conversation, but, uh, but getting to a point of conversation with potential clients oh, okay. uh, is so what generating I, what leads I and prospect. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Uh, and in, for some reason, I thought everything is going to happen itself. You know, I just do more talks and I just get more clients. Uh, uh, but th it didn't. Um, so I was I mean, eventually... So you did more talks, but you weren't getting leads. Yeah, like I was getting leads and I was getting clients, but they were like so small projects and I couldn't really price myself correctly. And and eventually, you know, a common theme was I, I went to a company, put a lot of effort, uh, redesigned everything, made this awesome, like scientifically proven results and whatever. And then they realized that, wait, we actually have to start working now with that information that you gave us. Uh, like we actually have to start development and all that jazz. Um, and then they stopped. It's like, wait, nah, well, I don't know. It's not important. So we're not going to do it. I'm guessing you did these pilot projects, right? So you, you set up some sort of gamification for them at some part of their, their customer journey, so, and you yeah. were generating some kind of data that would suggest something. So, you would present that? Uh, almost. So what I did was, um, I, I'm pretty good at prototyping. So I did a lot of prototypes uh, and like suggestions, but all the decisions, what I did, and all the um, you know key points in my solutions were always backed up by research. Uh, I okay. always had uh, specific, uh, like literally sentences and paragraphs from from credible research that will prove that this thing will work. And I would literally go to the office with the researches printed out um, in in like maps, and I had the, like the lines highlighted 
just to give you as much as comfortable uh, comfort uh, that uh, confidence that it works. Um, and they like the solutions, but they just didn't want to start working on it because it's still a, like an investment of development and, and such. So well, that's interesting. So you give them a solution, you know, that's backed by proven methods, and all of a sudden they are. Yeah, surprised. they get cold feet. Yeah, uh, it's like I don't know. Uh, I am not sure what went on. Like there was. Were like they big companies or smaller companies? Well, they were like average in Estonian scale, so I guess globally they're like small companies. But so but like they were like still, yeah, I would say like you know companies with like like twenty thirty employees. Um, okay. And you know enough revenue that they could afford it um, because they did pay for the initial analysis and initial idea. But of course, my uh, my like end goal was not just to give you a solution, but also work with the development team to actually yeah. get it done. And <coughs> that was the main money uh, what I was trying to make. But eventually, because people didn't kind of you know they got cold feet as i said before uh then i eventually ran out of money myself uh which uh which made me realize that um i can't just you know continue doing talk for free and getting no clients so so after that i so um, can i ask you a question yeah how long how long were you doing uh this approach with with the talks and 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 these pilot projects Uh, a year year and a half a uh, year and a half for two years or something like that. Okay. Um, because like I will do one talk and then I get like, I don't know, like 10 leads. Uh, so I will like follow up and do the meetings and stuff. And then in like three months time, I will do another one and so on. Okay. Um, but, but eventually, so, so I, d- I did discover that the talks that I did, uh, people liked them. Uh, I always gather feedback. So a very good tip is uh, everybody always wants to get slides uh, about what you're talking about. So what you do is you upload the slides, uh, but you exchange them uh, like you do a Google Forms. So you exchange the slides for feedback. You can only get the slides if you give me feedback. And that worked really well. Nice. Uh, from there, I, I understood that people really liked my talks uh, and workshops. I got like over uh, 180 uh, feedbacks with an average like 4.97 out of 5 or something like this. Um, So I thought I could sell them. Instead of selling others' consultation, I could just do a paid workshop and people will, you know, come together because it's awesome. Um, And that was my last plan because I was uh, literally out of money. Um, And my plan was to get at least like 10 people or like 20 people participating, like a ticket was like 250 euros or something, um, which is not even that expensive compared to other no. workshops that we have. It's not. Uh, and I spent like two months putting it together and I had a like very good workshop um, and not a single person showed up. <laughs> so Wait, <laughs> so this was like a workshop where you, where you opened up um, to, it wasn't just like, I, I want to do a workshop at a, an individual customer. You were doing a workshop, open workshop at a co-working space, right? Something like that. So I actually rented the rooms, uh, like sp- s- separate rooms. And it was a two day workshop, uh, with like exercises and like actual case studies. And I would even go as far as I would create, uh, mock-up solutions for different types of companies. So depending on which company showed up, I could actually create exercises that are literally specific fit, to them f- specific to them um and nobody bought any yeah. tickets <laughs> no 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 one bought. so actually uh ended up paying for it i don't remember i paid like 60 euros for the for the booking of the rooms um, uh. so <laughs> so yeah that so that yeah, i that mean the, you know what do you do at that point you run you run out of money you lost more money by doing a workshop 
Yeah. Uh, you you pivoted, but you didn't get any traction. So, you know, what so does Caleb do? I, I go back to doing what I know what I could do. I could do free workshops in co-working spaces. Um, really? So you went, you went back to that approach? Um, uh, yeah, like that was my mindset. How did yeah. you have the confidence to go back to that, even though it wasn't working for you? Well, the thing was, I, I, I think it was working because I did get some leads. Uh, I think that was not working was what I'm about to do with those leads. Uh, so it was like, I was in front of people, I was in front of potential clients, and those clients um, said that they liked what they hear. So that means that I made something wrong on the follow-up. So I will go back and try to do something differently. But But actually, I didn't get that far because... What happened was there was this one person um, in the audience, uh, this uh, young lady um, who was a developer. And after one of the speeches, he, she came to me and said, like, hey, listen, I'd love to work with you. Like, I'd love to work on what if, if you get any project or whatever, just let me know and, and let's work together or something. I would That's be excited cool. to. Yeah. So and, and coincidentally, I actually had a meeting with one of the malls in Tallinn uh, regarding implementing gamification and so on. And we uh, we we came to a conclusion that perhaps they want the actual game, like actual, you know, game that they can use for marketing. So I gave, go back to that that uh, that woman, uh, Gamitra was his, her name, uh, and said like, listen, let's let's write a game for them. And then I also uh, convinced one of my other very good friends uh, to also hop in uh, because I had this an idea that if we could do one game, what if and this is such a stupid idea. <laughs> thinking back to it, <laughs> I don't, I don't know, I don't know how I convinced my best friend. Of, of you know, you're it. saying it with such excitement that I'm like so sucked into what you're gonna say, and then you, <laughs> and then you just. Well, well, like now, now that I know all the problems that I went into it, now I know that it's like it's, retrospectively it doesn't. But that the idea I was think that's that your, uh, the kudos to you as a speaker that you can be so excited <laughs> about something that's just a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. So, so it was. Um, we were uh, we would buy uh, tablets uh, like iP uh, iPads or something, and we will build some stations or buy some stations where to put them, and we will deploy those stations into different malls. Um, and so people in that mall can walk past uh, an iPad and start playing a game uh, that was like, you know, marketed to specific company or something. And that was the idea. And so we will build this kind of a huge network. We called it Skynet. Uh, <laughs> this uh, <laughs> this uh, network of controlling all the tablets in, in across the, like the world or like Estonia. So if we have like 10 tablets in 10 different locations, we could control all of them uh, from our uh, system. And there was actually one company in Singapore who was doing it. Uh, oh, really? as well and uh, yeah uh, and they they had like uh, tens of thousands uh, across across Singapore and they were like if they had tens of thousands that means it has to work right but what I missed was they got like nine million dollars investment up front um, uh. and then and actually uh, now we know that they cancelled this as well because there are so many problems with it it's such a bad idea you know you had you, you come to a problem where where the janitor wants to uh, hook up their their vacuum cleaner so they will unplug your tab uh. and they will never plug it back in and then you get a call from other side of the country saying hey our tab doesn't work and you can't do anything because your battery has run out uh, and they don't care they're like we just want it to get working so you have to actually travel there and pull the plug back in or whatever so there's a lot of problems um yeah but but it was good enough it was good enough 
to get us accepted into Startup Wise Guys, uh, which is like the Startup Accelerator. To, to, um, say a little bit more about Startup Wise Guys, because I know they're they're a pretty big deal in Estonia and in beyond. Yeah, they are a pretty big deal across Europe, I would say. Uh, yeah. They're like voted like hottest accelerator or something. Um, but it was actually funny because I, I actually like this story. Um, so I knew... Uh, about them because one of my good friends Timo who's also probably going to be in your podcast sometime yeah, two weeks um, away. Uh, so so he also go to that and I uh, like this accelerator and I knew that you know he has made it so maybe I should as well so anyway I sent him my application and not long after I get a call uh, to book a meeting with one of the people from there so I explained our genius idea and her response was, uh, I don't know who are your customers, how are you making money, and what, wait, what, like, what are you even doing? Like, I don't really understand what's the point of your company, uh, but, you know, I'll just, I'll, can you please talk to the next person? So, I'm, okay, fine, so I'll be talking to the next person, Alexa, um, and her comment was, I don't know what you're doing. Uh, it doesn't make sense. It's hardware. <laughs> it has, it's not scalable. I don't understand who your clients are. Um, but because I don't understand and you kind of seem like a person who like I understood in my mind. So maybe it's, uh, you know, uh, can you please talk to the next person? So, um, so I was actually so upset that no one got me. Um, and the next person was, uh, with, uh, like actually in Estonia, uh, face to face, uh, with dog, who was like the financial director of Star Wise guys. Um, and he wrote to me saying, like, okay, I, I heard that you would want to get together. Uh, and I didn't reply. I didn't reply for like more than a week, like one and a half weeks. Wow. Because I kind of gave up. Like, yeah, you know what? I know what's going to happen. I'm going to go there and he's going to tell me that our idea sucks. It's not scalable, blah, blah. Uh, it's like, no one gets me, you know? <laughs> it's like teenager. <laughs> but eventually I still uh, got myself together and wrote to him saying like, listen, sorry, I didn't come back and so on. Um, so we met up and... He really doesn't understand what we're doing, uh, <laughs> or nor why, but he said like, "Hey, you know, come to the um, boot camp." Uh, and what it turned out actually that every single one of those conversations was actually like the next layer of application process. They had like three layers of interviews, and then the last, uh, which was the boot camp, where like twenty-five companies come together, three days. Uh, you have like forty investors. Uh, you have to explain your idea to all of those investors, and then they will evaluate you. You will have to prove that uh, your team can build something. You have to pitch and all that mm. jazz. Um, and long story short, although no one liked the product, and there was this <laughs> kind of a hidden agreement that if we get accepted, then we all hope that you pivot uh, to something that is actually a business. Uh, and uh, but they accepted us uh, into the wow. program. So I'm going to ask you the same question again. Why do you think they picked you? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is actually a question that I've talked to a lot um, with Alexa, who was, uh, was a very close friend of mine um, from Startup Wise Guys. And, and she has also said, like, they, you know, what makes Startup Wise Guys very good is it's not only the business, it's the people. In early stage companies, it's the people. Um, right. If, if you get the vibe that that person can get shit done. I actually remember Herti Tammo was one of the, uh, is one of the investors in Startup Wise Guys. And we were sitting actually in the same room that I'm sitting right now. And he told me, uh, told us that, uh, listen, I don't like, I don't understand your product. Uh, but what I do understand is I know that you're gonna get somewhere. And I am very excited mm -hmm. 
to see uh, what are you gonna do in two years or three years or five years time because I know you're gonna get somewhere uh, not with this but with something mm -hmm. so I'm like he also voted for us to get in um, so I guess it's just a personality or, or something I don't I, don't I know. think it's your drive and your focus and your conviction uh, in, in what you're doing um, so that's just my my interpretation yep. Maybe, so you can take that maybe. as a compliment. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I didn't mean to put you on a spot in that way, but I, 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 think, <laughs> it's I think it's important to, you know, part, part of what I'm doing here in these podcasts is, is going a little bit beyond the work of your st uh, startup itself and just kind of, you know, talk about the individual. Yeah. Um, so you get into you, you get into the accelerator, accelerator and you're supposed to pivot. Uh, what did that look like? So, um, so the, uh, they made an, an initial investment uh, of of some not too large, like couple of uh, couple of tens of thousands. Um, and for that money, we we bought a couple of tabs. Um, couple of tens of we, thousands of what? Uh, no, uh, a couple. Like, they get like twenty or forty thousand euros that they invest okay. initially into the company. Um, so we did buy some tabs, uh, and we continued developing it. And then on January sixth, around three p.m. Uh, is when we finally took the decision of... Uh, and actually, wait, let me tell you this. Sure. There's a lot of times when people are telling you and all the mentors and coaches and whatever are telling like, if you do not believe that what you're building is, is the right thing, then you're building the wrong thing uh, and whatever. It's like you have to believe that whatever you're doing is, is going to be a billion-dollar business. That is not true. That is not true because the entire time that we were building uh, those tabs, I knew it's not going to be the thing. And the only reason why we kept on doing the tabs is we wanted, like I knew that if we will meet with enough potential clients, then we will eventually get a new idea because we will eventually figure out another pay point that they have and that will leave us, lead us to the next idea. But we just had to continue doing this non-scalable shitty idea to get to a point. Um, oh. Right, so so that actually worked because on on start of January, then we figured out that it's you know, even if they will buy those tabs or like rent them out, someone still has to do the game. So so our main idea was make the building the game itself, the process as simple as possible, like without yeah. writing any code and everything. And that's when we actually started developing the software, uh, which will enable you to kind of drag and drop all the games together. And we will forget about the uh, hardware uh, at all. Like all those games will live in like landing pages and mobile phones and whatever. And we will focus on the hardware. So whose idea was it? Uh, well, I, I've, I, I guess it was, it's still my idea. <laughs> well, you had a team at this point. I'm just curious. I'm just curious yeah. the evolution, right? Because you're doing something, you know, so, it's not going to last. And then all of a sudden you pivot to an idea and how, you know, was that an iterative process or did somebody just all of a sudden have a light bulb moment? So, so regarding the team, um, so before January, December, uh, Kamitra left to Iceland. Um, and before that, during Christmas time, uh, my, the, the other best friend that, uh, that I had, uh, said that it's not working out for him, uh, and I totally respect it uh, because he—it's it, a very tough journey, um, and it's a lot of 
commitment and everything. And he discovered uh, that he really doesn't enjoy it that much. He much more enjoys the casual eight to five uh, work with with uh, leads and everything. Um, and that is perfectly fine. Uh, so he left, uh, or like, not that he left, he said that he promised that he will be by the end of the accelerator on February, um, which which he did. Uh, but he kind of just did the tasks that, that I kind of invented um, or like gave him that will help me move forward. So basically I was the only idea generator left okay. or I was the only person left who was actually trying to build something out of it. Um, and I frantically tried to understand like what can be the thing that we do. Um, so so yeah, I guess it was from my inspiration and, and my, my so, kind of. You, so did you finish the, that, um, that pivot? Did you do that in the accelerator or did you? Um, it was uh, the, so the accelerator was from October to end of March, I believe, uh, and we did it on January, um, and and we did we we worked very quickly uh, to get this thing up and running. So what we basically did, and and I also loved it, um, we built something that was as scary, as broken, and as ugly as as software can be. It was literally <laughs> like, for example, uh, we we created this wheel of fortune. Uh, so you can like drag and drop together a wheel of fortune and price and everything. But what the software actually was, it was um, a wheel of fortune in written in phaser. And next to it, it was a JSON file, uh, like a JSON configuration file. So you basically code JSON to get that wheel of fortune working. But that was good <laughs> enough for us because that enabled us it to was go a proof to of clients. concept, right? Yeah, but what we did was we went to clients and saying like, listen, we have this amazing software, right? We can like, we know the building this, thing is very complicated and everything, um, but we can do it in like less than a day. Um, and we can put it everything up together, um, collecting leads and everything. And to top it all off, because you are like one of the first clients, we will actually do it for you. You know, like we will use our own software. You don't have to even do anything. Yeah. Uh, but it was actually because they couldn't do anything. <laughs> because they couldn't <laughs> use the software, right? <laughs> so, so, um, so you're a good so salesman. <laughs> I I don't know. Yeah, some that kind of happened. Uh, and then, what was better even was they were all paid pilots. I think we charged like eight hundred euros or something, six hundred okay. euros. Um, so, but they were also paid pilots who taught us what they need because we sure. didn't have anything, right? So they started telling us, okay, we want that to do this yeah. thing and blah 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 blah. So they were basically our consultants who paid us to be our consultants to help us build nice. the product. And we did like six or seven or eight clients like this, um, which so eventually did, led us. Yeah. How did you get these clients, these six or eight clients? Uh, to be totally honest, I don't remember very well. Um, it was a and lot did of- Did you do any kind of campaign, any active campaigns or was it through your network? It was, no, it was mostly through network. Like we were sending emails out um, I couldn't do cold calling. Uh, I tried a couple of times like, no, uh, this is not for me. So, so we got some through network, some through connections. Yeah. And eventually, so the entire program ends in, um, in TechChill, uh, which is an event in, uh, well, in Riga, I think. Yeah, Riga, Latvia. Um, and it's just like, if you know, Estonia has um, a Latitude 59. It's like this startup tech conference, whatever. So, uh, in, in, the one that ended the program was TechChill. Um, and in TechChill, there's this event called 50 Founders Battle. 
Um, so all of the all of the startup wise guys companies, the ending was supposed like we got our own separate time slot where we could pitch to investors and potential clients on stage. But there was also a side event called Fifty Pounds Battle where you can apply to, and it was divided into different verticals. There were five different verticals, and ten companies for each vertical could pitch to a larger audience. So we actually got into the 50 somehow. I have no idea why <laughs> and how because we literally we had zero euros MRR, we had zero clients, we had nothing. We only had a pitch deck. Um, or like wow. we had a couple of test pilots. Do you think maybe maybe because your idea was so unique, probably there probably wasn't anybody else doing the gamification. To be honest, I actually think it's one of the other re reason, and I don't want to sound douchey or <laughs> I don't want to sound bad, <laughs> but there is one very like seeing all the applications that get sent to those kind of comp uh, competitions. Yeah, I wouldn't say that we were. Good. I just, everyone, others bad. were just shit. <laughs> like, you get applications, like, literally written in Word documents. You get slide decks, who, which have, like, 3,000 sentences in a slide deck yeah. and so on. So one thing that was working for us is we knew how to present our information uh, in a clear and concise way so people okay. could actually understand what we're doing, uh, which made the decision maybe easier. Um, but eventually, we actually got on stage. Uh, to be in top 10 in B2B SaaS, which is the most competitive thing. Yeah. Um, and the winner of each vertical uh, got to the finals, which was the main event of the entire conference. And by some miracle, I actually won that damn thing. Wow. <laughs> so wow. so we, we got to the finals. Um, and there was actually, there's a video on YouTube. I was actually pretty nervous. So uh, I went on stage and I forgot my clicker uh, in the middle of this pitch i realized i don't have a clicker with me so i had to like ask on stage next can i next, please like, no I, I actually started on stage and like asked for a clicker so there was like oh, okay. five seconds or ten seconds of crickets uh until someone brought me that'll make you sweat <laughs> yeah that's pretty cool but uh you know it worked out well uh i didn't win this final um another estonian company did uh oh, cool. Vula. um but it was good enough to get some attention um sure. so so that was all that we needed and, so, I mean, know, at that point, did you get more clients out of that or did you get investment? So we actually got a couple, um, what we did win, uh, the, like the main prize of that competition was 10,000 euros equity free, right? Um, but there was another award, which was from Latvian, which is Latvian Business Angels, who gave out 100,000 euros hard, uh, like commitment uh, of investment. Wow. Um, but we actually ended up not taking it. Um, for a bunch of various reasons. Uh, we did get some clients out of it, um, but my main goal there was because we had a little bit proven thing that we know what we're doing, uh, was just to start gathering up investments. Um, uh, like angel investments, something we need to get like 200,000 together uh, to actually build a product, not just a prototype. Um, and we got around, I think we got around 60,000 committed. Um, and then, uh, of course, you know, the COVID struck. Um, so we, we had to make a decision. Either we're going to focus on sales or we're going to focus on investments. So at that time, um, another person joined the team, Andreas, uh, who was very good at doing all the sales. Uh, he was very good at cold calling. He was very good at getting us clients. And we actually realized that through Andreas's work, we Got a lot, we got enough clients that we could actually just focus, only focus on selling uh, not and forget about the investment for now. We were just eat noodles um, and not pay ourselves. Like Andres quit his job 
Uh, so he got an unemployment package. I got another friend joining in who quit his job out of just, like, I wanna work with you guys, so I'll just jump on, you don't have to pay me anything. Um, so so through this kind of a hustling for the next seven months or so, um, we got enough clients that we actually ended up in uh, Latitude, which is a tech event uh, conference in Estonia. And that main prize was actually uh, 200,000 investment, literally exactly what we needed. Um, and we ended up winning the competition, which is also very, very, very kind of competitive. Um, and yeah, we, we won the final. So we, now we got the investments ready and, um, you know, rest. So was it an investment? Was it an investment or was it just money? Did you have to give up equity? Yeah. Yeah. It's actually like, it was a convertible loan investment. Uh, actually okay. by that time, uh, Right before Latitude, because uh, right before Latitude, we then, because we have enough sales, uh, we actually had a graph, uh, <laughs> which, I, which I liked in our presentation, uh, and they also used the same thing in Latitude, pitching competition as well, which was uh, correlation, it was like a pseudo-correlation slide that shows the number of, of active COVID cases, which is increasing every, every month, and then our revenue, which was increasing <laughs> on the same tempo. <laughs> which was, so, so we knew that we couldn't keep up with the revenue growth for too long uh, because it was not scalable and we will hit a brick wall because you know we still had to do the campaigns ourselves and, and there's just not enough uh, manpower to do it. So we knew that if we couldn't get an investment uh, within the next like three, four months, then the rest of the graphs will not keep on growing. Sure. Um, so it was like a very crucial moment for us to get this done. We got around, oh, I don't think like 100 or like 60,000 or something committed. Um, and then after winning Latitude, we get more investment uh, investors being interested. So we eventually had to turn down around 170,000 of investments because we couldn't give up that much of the company. Sure. So, yeah. So at that point you, you've been using that money to build a product. Yeah. So actually, uh, actually had a, a slide so as well. Uh, yeah. How, I was just going to ask, how's your team grown since then? It hasn't. Um, so one person, very, very important person that was left out in the earlier stories is the person who actually built the, and is still with us, uh, built the entire prototype uh, and the working thing that we use right now, uh, joined like a schoolmate of mine. Um, we, we've met in a random party and said like, hey, I know you're a developer, wanna work with us? So, so it, it's him, uh, the, the backend developer. It's uh, Andreas, who's doing the sales. We also got an intern, uh, developer back in March, um, who's with us. And with the investment money, we also involved a team of developers, uh, developers from Ukraine, um, who are we working with now. Uh, but we are not planning to increase the size of the team before we can prove that we have a scalable solution that actually, you know, we, we have more salespeople means we have more sales. Uh, right now we have not proven it for ourselves. So there's no point of increasing the team. Okay. So, I mean, you're, you're, um, sounds like you're running the, the team pretty lean. Uh, and s how long did it take you from the end of that investment towards building this product today that you're launching today? Um, it was actually, I'm, I'm actually pretty impressed. Uh, the knowledge that I got from Nortel, uh, the IT project management and the IT uh, like anal analysis part and everything, and the knowledge of lean, lean development uh, made, us, made it possible to do it 
pretty quick. Uh, I think we developed it in like four months. Um, oh. And we actually are literally on the dot on the budget. Uh, and oh. we're like a month, uh, not a month, like two weeks over deadline, um, which is like totally normal. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I think we started building it on Oct uh, September, Octo October. First uh, of October, like something like this, and you know now it's April, so it's uh, so it's actually like six months, seven months. I don't know. You know, is there anything else that you want to share that um, that brings us up to today? Um, well, <laughs> there is a I don't know from the top of my head. No, I guess um, I think it's just. Um, Well, I guess so. Let me let me put it this way. So far, I've heard a really interesting story in terms of you know you getting to the point of of that investment, and at that once you got that investment, I mean you already knew what you were going to do with that money, right? You knew exactly. Sounds like you knew exactly yeah. what you did. So the past six seven months sounds like that's just been execution of that vision. Is that right? Exactly. And and I guess that's one of the reasons why the past six months or something hasn't been too exciting like for the investors. Well, like we do every month we report to the investors and everything. Sure. But it's not like a grow, like the sales have been growing slightly. Um, but it's just us actually preparing to actually, you know, start being able to start proving that we have a scalable model. So you, you still were doing these projects you have been in the past six, seven months where your team is executing the actual, building the, the, the games with your software, yeah. and now you're shifting to a self-service product. Exactly. Okay. Uh, and actually I had a very, uh, again, like I had a good slide to kind of explain why now. Uh, so I had a graph showing the, the amount of hours put into uh, creating a campaign by, our, uh, by ourselves. Uh, we started off uh, around like 30 hours per campaign that we actually had to do the work. So every month, we, because we continued developing the product, it kind of went lower and lower. And we eventually arrived to the point that it will take us less than an hour to get everything done. And that was the kind of sweet spot that we know that if we get to this point, that means that the functionalities are there, everything is there. Now we are at a good point to start actually rebuilding the product. It sounds like you were logging your hours. <laughs> Oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't no, know. No, no, That's no. what it sounds like. <laughs> what, what it actually sounds like is the most subjective amount of number of hours from the top of my head. Uh, I'm just teasing that I you. Just, I know, I know. <laughs> so, no. so you're building this product uh, simultaneously, simultaneously while you're servicing customers and you're launching. Tell me about what launch is going to look like. So it's actually, it's, um, I'm actually mega impressed. Uh, so we have this um, sales coach working with us who came to us from, through Startup Wise Guys um, who also wanted to work with us. Um, and his name is Patrick Collins uh, from uh, Prospect Labs. And one thing the guy does magically is he knows every single software out there to automate everything. So we have all the lead generation all the, we even have copy, copywriting automated. Uh, so wow. every single thing, uh, the campaigns, lead generation, conversations, everything is automated. So that enabled us to do one cool trick. Um, so we have an event coming up actually in 29th of April on, on LinkedIn. Um, it was the first, it is the first event that we ever done. And right now we have like 
if I check it right now, like yesterday we had like 900 participants and now we have like over a thousand people uh, signed up for our event. Um, it's a, which, so it's a virtual event, right? Yeah, it's a virtual event. Um, but, but you know, uh, getting, you know, getting uh, a thousand people event on a budget of around 10 euros um, is, is pretty cool in my mind. Um, so the launch is going to look very much like uh, like this. This is actually our first time where we're actually going, you know, d doing marketing and going uh, everywhere and trying to get leads and trying trying to get clients. Um, so, so is that the is that the event that I'm signed up for that you sent an invite to me for? It's called How to Use Gamification in Marketing in 2021. Yeah, I'm, signed, I'm signed up. I saw it. Maybe you didn't even know that you sent it to me. It sounds like it was an automate, automated message. <laughs> maybe it was automated. Maybe. <laughs> well, yeah, it, 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 maybe it was. Um, I felt special when I got it. I was like, oh, cool. Caleb's uh, 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 you know, well, keep, uh, keeping me up to date all, with what he's doing. <laughs> out of all the people who got automated invites, I invited you personally. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. So, so tell me, uh, you know, tell me what the future looks like. After, you know, tell me about this uh, workshop that you're doing, and tell me. Unfortunately, this episode is going to go out after your workshop, um, but yeah. tell me what the future is going to look like. So I am very uh, realistically optimistic uh, currently um, because the feedback that we're getting uh, from the clients that are now that are actually using our systems actually. Like we've built the old system to a point where we have clients using them without our involvement, and yeah. the and the feedback is very good. Um, so and I know that we have competitors, and those competitors have been growing at a very very fast rate. Um, uh, and I know like very bold claim, but I know that there are very specific things that we do better. Uh, we actually got a we got a, a client who is using our competitor. A large client who has actually signed up for a yearly license with a competitor, and they still did a campaign with us uh, with oh. our platform. So, so there is a lot of proof that that is going in the right direction. Um, so, our goal is to get fifty thousand MRR by the end of the year. Uh, it's it's maybe a little bit a high goal, but but we're working on it. Um, and from there, we're going to launch a new round of investment by the end of the year. Um, what do you to get by the end of this year? Okay. Uh, yeah. And what so do you we have a. Mm -hmm like the deadline uh, uh, because of the convertible note uh, we have to get the investment done before okay. June okay so uh, June 2022 okay do you know what and you're going to use that money for yet or no uh, well yeah it, it it's at that time at that point we have to have proven that we have a scalable lead generation model we have a scalable uh, sales model we have like all the CRM systems are working flawlessly. Everything yeah. is tracked. Everything is documented. Um, and that only means that you just pour in more money into sales and into marketing and uh, slightly into development. Yeah. Uh, so like you put in one X and you take out five X uh, is what the whole idea of the scaling uh, stage. Yeah. So we're going to use that money to just scale our sales uh, and scale, you know, go expand into as many continents as possible. Nice. Nice, very nice. Um, yeah. I mean, I, so I think that I think that brings us to a close. Uh, you know, yeah. we, you have a really interesting journey. I think uh, I enjoyed he hearing it. I hope everybody else did. Um, I guess is there anything that you wanna to put out there in the world that you're looking for, or 
uh, that that you think you would like people to hear about what you're doing? There, there's one thing that I kind of always keep thinking about, um, and I just don't understand why. So, so if anyone like listening doing doing a startup or doing anything actually doesn't matter what, uh, then give me an explanation. Why would you do things shittily if you can do them? <laughs> if you can do them better uh, uh-huh. and because like for example let's take webinars online webinars or like online pitching yeah. online comp- uh, pitching of the you have an option either you're going to use a shitty laptop microphone and a shitty laptop web camera and do your pitching or you're going to spend like 20 minutes of your time getting a solid microphone getting a solid camera and do it better it's uh, why would you make a decision to do things worse if you could do things better this is the number one thing that we definitely we always keep track on. If there is a way that we can do it better with as, le- as less effort as possible, uh, then we do it. Um, which is also you know very very prominent in in several activities. Like there was a pitching like the ladder to pitching competition. Yeah. You know we we actually did uh, on the pre qualifiers. Uh, we had to pitch on a web camera. We actually. Got an entire film crew uh, to uh, film our pitch. Uh, oh. Like it's it, like it's different story, but but I guess my main point to everybody is is don't do things bad if you can do them good. Now you're, now you're giving me some food for thought in terms of what I'm doing. Am I doing <laughs> things shittily, or, nah. or what can I do better? <laughs> as I, as I said, I listen to your podcast and, and you're already miles ahead of, of others that I've heard. Um, I appreciate that. Thank you. So um, I'll be honest. It, for me, it's just a pleasure to hear interesting stories of people that are succeeding, you know. Um, so, but, uh, but listen, Caleb, this has been an awesome interview. Thank you for, for taking the time the second time around <laughs> to do this. And uh, it should be only a couple of weeks before we publish this. So. Uh, Thank you one more time. Uh, It's been great. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you are not a subscriber, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to write me, send me an email at storytellerinterviews at gmail.com or find me on LinkedIn. I'm Matt Bujalski, and you've been listening to Storyteller Interviews.